1: This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going and he's smart and he's strong and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone. Welcome back. Joining me now is former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, uh, who is not only a former member of Congress, but an officer in the United States Army Reserve, where she holds the offer office, of uh, or the rank, I should say, of Lieutenant Colonel. She served in the U.S. Congress as a representative from Hawaii's second congressional district from 2013 to 2021. Uh, and she announced in October of 2022 uh, that she was leaving the Democratic Party after seeking that party's nomination for president in 2020. In 2002, Tulsi Gabbard was elected to the Hawaiian House of Representatives at the tender age of 21. She served her country in the uh, Iraq War uh, uh, debacle, uh, and uh, she joins us today on The Roger Stone Show. Tulsi Gabbard, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Roger. It is great to join you today, um, great to be with you and your audience. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I mentioned this to you in a text. You may hear some gunfire in the background. Uh, I just wrapped up competing in uh, Uh, competition with the tactical games. So don't be alarmed by the background noise.
1: Uh, We very much appreciate that. Uh, You made a uh, a groundbreaking speech, an extraordinary speech uh, at the Conservative Political Action Conference. I I noticed, by the way, that you delivered uh, an incredibly eloquent speech uh, without a single note, which is very, very difficult to do. Uh, uh, Let's uh, play that bite of Tulsi Gabbard at the CPAC conference specifically here talking about the candidacy of Nikki Haley uh, and President Donald Trump.
3: Now if you listen to what Nikki Haley has been saying, she claims that she claims that President Trump only cares about himself and that he's doing all that he's doing only for himself. If that were the case, wouldn't he just walk away from all this, walk away from the headaches and the attacks and the stress that he's enduring right now? So why doesn't he? I've had the chance to meet with him and speak with him at length, and I've seen firsthand his heartfelt interactions with friends of mine, veterans, and I've seen how he has touched their hearts and move them to tears as he expressed his appreciation for their service and their sacrifice. No cameras, no crowds, just that heartfelt conveyance of appreciation. I've gotten a sense for what motivates him and it's got nothing to do with what the Washington establishment is accusing him of. This is a man who's a fighter. His strength and resilience His strength and resilience can only come from one place. His ability to endure this hardship can only come from one place, and that's a sincere love and concern for the future of our country and his care for the American people.
1: Uh, An extraordinarily powerful speech, uh, and I congratulate you for it. Uh, It's interesting that a straw poll taken of those who participated in the Conservative Political Action Conference, which is always avidly watched for those years in which there's an open presidential nomination, or uh, in this case for the vice presidency, uh, showed uh, that uh, South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem was the choice of a mere 15%. She ran an active operation, by the way, to try to rack up votes. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who only recently ended his own most interesting presidential campaign well, also scored at 15%. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard, you were third with 9%. I know you mounted no effort on your own behalf. That is clearly on the basis of the strong speech you made. Uh, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, friend of the show, has been in a, a guest here on the Roger Stone Show, scored uh, at 8 Senator Tip, Tim Scott also scored at 8%. Governor Ron DeSantis, who for reasons we explained earlier under the 12th Amendment of the Constitution would not be eligible to be a vice presidential candidate with Donald Trump because both DeSantis and Trump are legal residents of the state of Florida, unallowable under the rules of the Electoral College as well as the uh, uh, 12th Amendment. Uh, And uh, Byron Donalds, who I also greatly admire and like, scored uh, at seven. That's uh, really quite extraordinary. Uh, I thought you handled this extremely well when Jeanine Pirro asked you the other night um, uh, whether you would accept uh, a vice presidential nomination if you were asked. Uh, tell us again what you told Jeanine Pirro.
2: So Roger, my goal has and continues to be and will always be seeking out ways where I can, ways and positions where I can uh, best serve our country and be in a position where I can actually make a positive impact and uh, help to solve many of the challenges that we are facing both here at home and abroad uh, and so if If asked to serve in that position or others where I could make that impact, of course, I would be honored uh, to be able to do that uh, there There are so many different issues that we are facing. Um, I have the opportunity to travel the the country right now. Uh, As you know, my book will be coming out soon. It's called For Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind. I'm speaking to people, many of them, who feel politically homeless, Uh, a lot of Democrats who feel as though, like I did, that the Democrat Party has left them behind, and independents who are frustrated with the Washington establishment there's a lot of people who really want to feel hopeful again about our future. Unfortunately, under the Biden Harris administration, they have set us on a path of destruction of our democracy, undermining our constitution, undermining the rule of law, the very the very foundational uh, principles and institutions our country was founded upon and I really believe, and I'm seeing it, Roger, with my own two eyes and ears as, as I meet with folks across the country, we have an opportunity to come together and unite around our founding principles and our shared love of freedom, of peace, and the opportunity for you know us and our next generation to, to grow up and, and pursue that happiness and prosperity that, that our founders envisioned for us all.
1: You know, I'm a great believer uh, in redemption. I think people change over time. Uh, when I tell friends uh, how impressed I am with your courage and your speaking out against the war machine, uh, they often point out to me that, you know, you were once a Democrat. In fact, you were once vice chairman of the Democratic National Committee from 2013 to 2016. and You actually endorsed uh, Bernie Sanders for president in 2016. But People change. I worked for Ronald Reagan, who took the conservative movement, started by Barry Goldwater, and brought it to maturity in this country. He was not only once a Democrat, but he was the most liberal of New Deal Democrats. People change as they get new information. Was there a specific event uh, that triggered your decision to leave the Democratic Party and become an independent.
2: Yeah, hey, Roger, a couple of things I want to say on that. First of all, to directly answer your question, there wasn't one specific triggering event, uh, you know, throughout my time in Congress or throughout my time involved with politics at all. I've always been an independent minded person. And and uh, shortly after I was elected to Congress, you know, there was a lot of news and people saying, oh, you know, she's the she's the rising star of the Democratic Party, all this kind of stuff. Uh, it didn't last long once they realized that I had a mind of my own and that I had no issue calling them out when they were wrong uh, and taking a stand based on principle and doing my best to do what was right for the American people and our country. Uh, and, and so, you know, in 2016, you mentioned my endorsement of Bernie Sanders. I endorsed Bernie Sanders because I saw an opportunity. It was really around one major issue, and that was the issue of war. Hillary Clinton is the queen of warmongers. She is the ultra neocon. And Bernie Sanders, you know, I don't agree with him on a lot of things, but on that issue at least he seems to be more of a non-interventionist. And I resigned as vice chair of the DNC to endorse him and have that platform to point out the dangerous threat that a President Hillary Clinton would pose to the country. Because trust me, as you remember, Roger, the mainstream media wasn't doing it. They were all saying she's the most qualified person ever to run for president. No one ever challenged her on her record as secretary of state. No one ever challenged her on the, the absolute uh, abysmal consequences, costly, deathly consequences of what she pushed as secretary of state and what she voted for as a U.S. senator. And so as, as, as I went forward throughout the years, uh, the Democratic Party, even as, as a 2020 candidate for president in a Democratic Party, my goal was to see if I could somehow within the party bring about change, bring about change to the party to take it back to the party that JFK once led, to the party that Martin Luther King uh, once was a part of. Uh, Unfortunately, I saw a lot and learned a lot throughout that whole experience and got to the point where there was just no way that I could not in good conscience associate myself with that party. The last thing I'll say about this, Roger, that that you brought up is people change. Uh, I would hope that whether in life, in personal relationships or business or even in politics, wouldn't you want people who can learn from new information or new experiences and draw different conclusions? If we are all stuck in the place that we once were, unwilling to change, unwilling to evolve, then that would be a pretty bad outcome. That would deliver a pretty bad outcome uh, for the country. And as we look to this next election, and this is why I'm spending the rest of this year through November 5th talking to as many people as I possibly can, if we treat people with respect, those who may be Democrats or used to be Democrats or independents, they can be won over – to consider the truth of how the Biden Harris administration is destroying our country and to see that there is a better choice out there. If you treat people like crap, they're not going to listen to a word you have to say. So I, I it's what I'm trying to do, it's what I encourage other people to do. It's the message I deliver to the audience at CPAC. Don't just talk about don't just talk to and hang out with people you agree with. You don't win elections and bring about change that way. You've got to be willing to talk to folks who who you may not be sure whether you agree on everything. Have a real conversation. We've got to bring back dialogue in this country and move forward together around the fundamental principles that make us who we are as Americans and as a country.
1: Uh, you are at a shooting contest in Arizona right now, as you told me. Uh, one of the criticisms, I think, which is inaccurate that I keep seeing online is that you are uh, uh, an opponent of the Second Amendment. Uh, I read a very good piece about this not long ago. Your views have evolved on that issue, but not recently. Uh, Tell us uh, your current position regarding the right to keep and bear arms.
2: I wholeheartedly support the Second Amendment and the right to keep and bear arms. Uh, This is something that I've talked about now for uh, the last few years. You know, my exposure, I grew up in Hawaii, the state that has very, very strict gun laws. So my exposure to guns was minimal at best for most of my life even even after I joined uh, the military, obviously there there was military training and, and uh, preparation for deployments. but uh, there was a lot that I was exposed to. There's a lot of people who came and talked to me both throughout the 2020 presidential campaign, but also seeing how seeing how increasingly tyrannical our government became through 2020, through the COVID uh, crisis, and, and continuing to this day, my eyes were really opened to our founders' intent in saying, yes, we have the right to keep and bear arms for sport. As I'm out here doing uh, this weekend here in Arizona, competitive shooting, I'm having a blast. So much fun uh, for people who like to hunt. For self-defense to protect yourselves and your loved ones but also as a check on the power of an increasingly tyrannical government Uh, I had heard this before many years ago and honestly maybe and there's a lot of, of, of other people who felt the way that I did that I I couldn't imagine that we would be in a place in my lifetime where we have people in the highest positions of power in our government using the national security state using the mainstream propaganda media using all the tools at their disposal to take away our freedom to take away our right to vote for the president of our choosing to take away uh, our our free speech in in saying well this kind of speech is allowed and this is not and this is the kind of information you're allowed to see and what you're not and you've got to stay in your house during covid you're not allowed to go and worship in a church but if you go to a bar a strip club that's fine Uh, You're not allowed to gather in large groups unless you're marching with Black Lives Matter. There was so much that happened that that really opened my eyes uh, to our founders' intent in passing the Second Amendment and wholeheartedly uh, support it and will defend it.
1: Uh, Look, I'm a political junkie and uh, I love politics. We have a bite here from your debate when you ran for president uh, and you clashed with Kamala Harris. Let's roll that.
3: I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way.
2: Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response?
3: As the elected Attorney General of California, I did the work of significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, which became a national model for the work that needs to be done. And I am proud of that work. And I am proud of making a decision to not just give fancy speeches or be in a legislative body and give speeches on the floor, but actually doing the work of being in the position to use the power that I had to reform a system that is badly in need of reform. That is why we created initiatives that were about reentering former offenders and getting them counseling. The bottom line is, Senator Harris, when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives, you did not, and worse yet, in the case of those who were on death row, innocent people. You actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology.
1: I don't know, Tulsi, I have a feeling that Kamala Harris uh, is not looking forward to a potential rematch with you in a debate.
2: Okay. Uh, you know, there, there, there hasn't been a whole lot that I could point to. I can't actually think of a single thing as I'm sitting here talking to you that she could speak about and defend uh, on a debate stage. Uh, every single thing that she has been tasked to do that I'm aware of, that's been publicly talked about, uh, we can see has turned out not only to be an abysmal failure, but, but these problems like those on the border have gotten worse. Uh, I'm actually, as you mentioned, I'm out here in Arizona. I've had the chance to spend some time with some great Customs and Border Patrol agents, talking to them and hearing about the work that they're doing uh, on a daily basis in in serving as the frontline troops in this crisis of, of millions of people coming across, streaming across our borders illegally throughout the, the last three years of the Biden administration. The problem has gotten worse not better. If I recall correctly, uh, this was an issue that President Biden gave to Kamala Harris to handle. So if given the opportunity, uh, I would look forward to exposing the truth about her failures and about how dangerous she would be, serving not only as a vice president, because you and I both know that really a vote for Biden is a vote for a President Kamala Harris, which we cannot allow to happen.
1: Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is The Roger Stone Show. We're talking to former Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, and we'll be right back with Tulsi Gabbard uh, after this message.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going, and he's smart, and he's strong, and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone. Now... Here's Roger Stone. Welcome back, folks. Uh, We're here still with uh, Tulsi Gabbard. We have a few more minutes uh, to go. Her new book for Love of Country, uh, uh, available soon. I spoke to her the other night to ask her to do the show. She was signing books, uh, signing books until her hand hurt. I've been in that situation. I wish you the very best with that. Tom uh, Tulsi, if you were in the House now uh, and the proposal to send $95 billion more to Ukraine that uh, also included additional aid for Israel, additional uh, aid for Taiwan, uh, and some funding, but really funding not to seal the border, but to process those coming into the country illegally, how would you have voted?
2: You know, the devil is in the details, uh, as always, with these pieces of legislation. And it's the small things that they try to sneak through under the guise of the bigger talking points that we've got to pay attention to. Uh, You know, I I would have voted against that bill for a few reasons. Number one, they should have, and this goes for every issue, introduce standalone pieces of legislation so that our elected representatives in Congress can vote up or down based on the sub, the pros and cons, the merits of that singular piece of legislation. So you just mentioned four different things that were included in that bill uh, that, that members of Congress and the Senate were seeking to fund. Uh, they were doing that strategically because they knew some of those things might not be so popular. Uh, I think it's important for us to be able to hold our leaders accountable. We can do that when they actually introduce standalone pieces of legislation that are that are focused on one specific thing. The biggest issue that I had with the border portion of that bill, and I get that sometimes you got to make compromise and you do as you're negotiating legislation, it actually would have codified into law the illegal entry of people into our country. There were limitations on the emergency powers that that legislation uh, would give the president insofar as how often it could be activated. There were limitations in how often it could be used. That, in my mind, is a dangerous precedent to set to say, well, hey, it's okay for a certain number of people to break our laws and enter our country illegally as long as it stays under this number. If we have laws on the books, they need to be enforced, period. There were good pieces of that legislation, but passing into law, codifying into law, legalizing, People breaking our laws to illegally enter our country is ridiculous. I just talked to a guy today who's seeking permanent residency and a green card. He uh, has moved here from Israel several years ago. He has waited years and spent a ton of money on immigration lawyers just to try to get a green card. So as you can imagine, his family is incredibly frustrated to see how many people are breaking our laws and cutting to the front of the line, and there's no repercussions or consequences. Uh, with regard, I know we're wrapping up here quickly. Uh, the, specifically, I want to touch on the funding for Ukraine. There continues to be a blank check being written once again without any accountability for how that money is being spent and without any explanation or description of what exactly is our objective. I think we as the American people should not accept What we're hearing from the Biden-Harris administration, directly from President Biden and Kamala Harris, which is we are in this for as long as it takes. What does as long as it takes mean? What does winning look like? People who say, well, it's until Putin is defeated. There's two big problems with that. Number one, it's just not going to happen. They're living in a fantasy world. There are many more people. He has a lot more money and a lot more troops than Ukraine. He will outnumber them and bleed them through a war of attrition for as long as it takes for him to hold on to power. Number two, even if they were successful in getting rid of Putin, which is really the goal of the Biden-Harris administration, is regime change, they have not talked about what happens next, who comes next. There are many examples that we can point to. I'll point to Gaddafi in Libya. They got rid of him because he was a bad guy, but look at Libya today. It is it is a failed state A stronghold for Islamist terrorists And a country where human beings Are treated as slaves In broad daylight Once again the foreign policy Establishment in Washington Democrats and Republicans Are so short sighted At a great cost to the American people And our national security
1: All right, thank you Tulsi Gabbard For joining us today on the Roger Stone Show And folks stay tuned for Joe Piscopo with Sundays With Sinatra